Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Halfway home, hour two on the block here on a Tuesday. We go right to the Honda of Lincoln hotline and welcome in our own Steve Sipley. You hear him on early break every morning with Jake Sorensen. Also read his work uh, writing for On3 covering all things Nebraska. Steve, we'll start a little further from home and work our way back toward the 402. Recently, Nebraska had assistants and staffers speaking down in Texas. We know Matt Rule's connections down there from his time at Baylor. But all the Nebraska activity down there led one Texas high school official to say that Nebraska is becoming or could become the Big Ten team of Texas. If that's to happen, what does that look like to you, and what does that even mean to begin with? Well, I mean, it, 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 right off the bat, Austin, it just means obviously more Texas presence on the roster. And the question becomes, can you get impact players from Texas? And that, you know, I don't, I don't know what it means. I mean, that, we're two, you know, we're two months into this, you know, the Matt Rule tenure. Two months. That's it. I mean, it's interesting, and I, I've seen this happen. It happens, you know, it probably happens every fan base. I've seen it happen in Nebraska. We want to make all these declarations about what it's going to look like. I have the foggiest idea. I mean, I have a little idea on some items, but as far as roster construction, we're in the very early stages of it. Um, You know that I know that their presence in Texas is going to increase, at least initially. You know, if it works, you'll see more of it. They do have a lot of guys with Texas connections that make, so it all makes sense. The question is, and it's a question. Can you go down there and get impact players? You know, players that make the starting lineup and then become all conference, all American type players. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that or not. This is what we're going to see. When you think of impact players from Texas, at least to me, my head goes to quarterback and it goes to wide receiver, the seven on seven circuit. Do you think that's where we'll see Nebraska look moving forward? Do you think it's just, you know, best available who we can get in with type of guys? Best available. I mean, Nebraska has gotten all kind of players from Texas over the years. I mean, Tommy Armstrong was a quarterback. You know, they got the, they got the lineman from Austin, Texas, whose name's escaping me. Just, he uh, left one game early in the COVID season. Um, so they've gotten defensive linemen from the state. I mean, no, I think I understand what you're saying about the seven-on-seven world, but there's football players of all time, all sizes and shapes in the state of Texas. Um, and, yeah, that now, is that, again, can you go get the ones? Can you, can you convince those kids to move out of that region and move up to a, you know, a cold-weather conference? Um, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Nebraska when Nebraska was in the big eight, the big 12, Texas was pretty good for Nebraska. It was, it was pretty good. I don't think it was as good as California and I'm Austin. I'm going back before you were born now, but I, you know, Texas has always been pretty good and, and in some cases really good. Just can you recapture that magic? Can you go get a Rex Burkhead, you know, someone like that from, Rex is from that Dallas area and he's one of the better players. Can you go do that again? I I guess again, I'm not I wouldn't count him out, but I'm not necessarily predicting it. 
I just want to. I'm I'm going forward with an open mind. Sip, just one real. This strict man. Um, just one one quick thing. Do you think that what you just said? I love I love what you just said. By the way, but do you think that the fact that rule is taking a different approach because there's such a treasure trove of those you know great players or good players or solid players out of Texas that the development aspect of it could work in his benefit being that he doesn't he shoots his shot but he doesn't necessarily have to win at shooting his shot he just has to identify a little bit better than he probably would in in, in a normal situation yeah, in the state of Texas, yeah. I mean, it, I, the thing I've always – I think this is what you're kind of getting at. In the state of Texas, football's year-round. Um, they, you know, they – I mean, they make it part of the curriculum practically. So you are – you tend to get some pretty highly developed players, players that maybe are more developed than they would be in some states just because of – how important football is to the culture, and again, year round. I mean, they're playing; these guys are playing the sport year round. They, when they, when a Texas player, especially a high level Texas player, comes to a college practice, for instance, it's all, you know, they've they've seen it, they've done it that way. It's not the level increases, but the but the intensity, the intensity probably increases a little, but it's nothing they haven't really seen before. So. Yeah, you don't you don't probably need to develop them quite as much, depending. I mean, I, you know, in recruiting, Eric, one thing I've learned to do is not throw up a, a blanket over everything because, you know, individuals are different and they all are sort of unique in their own way. But generally speaking, yeah, I don't think you got to develop those kids as much as you would from some other states. Mm. Bring it back closer to home here as we're talking to Steve Sipple of Early Break and also writing for On 3 here at Fort Nebraska. I heard you and Jake talking this morning about Iowa and, you know, the whole Brian Ferentz contract situation. And it's fun to, you know, poke fun at Iowa from this side of things occasionally, but it's hard to argue, you know, with what they're doing in terms of the wins that they're getting. But, Sip, it, it's important to me, too, to look at the context of they're doing that with the Big Ten West and not in the context of the greater Big Ten, especially moving forward as divisions go away. So as you look at the situation I was in with the Ferences there versus the situation Nebraska's in with a brand-new coaching staff, brand-new head coach and everything, who's in a better spot for the divisionless Big Ten moving forward? God, that's a good question. I Again, I just don't – it's just so hard to know – it's hard. It, Austin, it's just, it's just hard to know. We're just so <laughs> early in this. Right. I, I don't, I, I don't want to make any too, I don't want to make a bunch of bold proclamations that Nebraska is in a better spot than Iowa. How, how would I know? I mean, I, now I know Iowa's situation. I mean, Kirk, I don't know how much longer Kirk is going to be there, although he is signed through 2029. The Iowa head coach is signed through 2029. I mean, the fair answer, Austin, is that I was in a better spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only really fair. To, I mean, if you look at the way the series has gone between the two programs, granted Nebraska, you know, got off the schneid this season by beating them, but, you know, it's been a one-sided rivalry. Um, 
stability. You know, they have stability in their program. Um, it'd be hard to, right now for me to sit here and say, I like where Nebraska's at better. Why? Based on what? Based on two months of recruiting? Ah, no, I, I can't really do that. The argument to me for Nebraska, you know, on this side of things, is that it is a, a newer, younger coaching staff that's adaptable. But in Iowa's defense, under Brian Ferentz, you know, they have put up that that magical twenty five point number that was in his contract. To me, that just seems like a layup for Iowa, right? To get to twenty five points a game, and then Brian Ferentz's bonuses and contract rolls over. So if there's no way they don't get to twenty five points a game next year, right? Well, the average. 17.9 this year so there's a way um they, they i would you know it'd be a pretty market jump on the other hand i understand what you're saying austin scoring 25 points a game this year would put you about 85th nationally all right you can't get to 85th nationally but on the other hand so go back the other way if you look at brian ferentz since 2017 as the as the offensive coordinator the highest they've been is 87th nationally. I mean, they, they've never been better in terms of total offense under Brian Ferentz with him calling plays. That's in six seasons. They've never been better than 87th. So, yeah, it's fascinating kind of. I mean, it's a fascinating back-and-forth discussion because, as I said this morning on our show, they the Ferentz's can kind of give you the middle finger and say, hey, Nebraska, especially Nebraska, you know, guys like me in Nebraska taking shots at them. They could say, okay, yeah, look at your program and look at ours. I mean, we, we haven't, during that time period, we haven't won fewer than eight games. And twice we won ten. Okay? No, not fewer than eight. Twice we won ten. And during the COVID year, we played eight games and won six. What's your record? You know, they could easily say that. Now, their offense has been alarmingly bad. It's almost like, like I said this morning again, it's almost like they say, we're just going to, we're just going to win games without a good offense. That's just the way we are. Strange way to go about it. They got to get better. But this year they had nothing. They didn't really have any answers. And, and Bill Bush on our show this morning was saying they just tried everything. It was kind of hard to defend. It was hard to prepare for it. wasn't hard to defend, but it was hard to prepare for Iowa because you didn't know what they were going to do because they were trying everything, you know, um, so I think that can't be the formula. We're just going to try everything and hope something works. They better figure, you know, they got to figure something out. And, but you know what? I'm not betting on the trend reversing. What, what, what evidence is there? To, what, why would you bet on it? Except McNamara and I guess Eric all too. Um, they have brought in some, some guys from the transfer portal, including two offensive linemen. So maybe, they can get it reversed. My favorite part is that it's points per game, not just offensive points per game. So Brian Ferentz might owe Phil Parker some favors after the season. We'll have to look into that. One other Nebraska football question for you here, Steve. 39 support staffers on Matt Rule's staff right now. When I hear 39 people on staff, whether that's graduate assistants or, you know, in the recruiting operation, that feels like a lot. And it is compared to the Big Ten. You know, Michigan's got 38, Penn State in the lower 30s as well. But then you read about Alabama and Georgia and just how huge their network of staffers in the building is. Is this Matt Rule trying to build something like Alabama and Georgia has, you know, on the back end, the operational administrative end? Or is that just a lot of cooks in the kitchen as a guy's trying to get stuff figured out in his first year? 
<laughs> no, I don't think he's just. I think he's got a grand plan, Austin. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I if it's. I don't know if he's impacted by what he sees at Alabama. He might be, or Georgia. He might be. I just think he feels it. I, I mean, Austin. I always say this Nebraska program is a monster. I mean, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of people. It's a big organization, and I and I am generally of the thought that that's you got to run it like he's doing it. it mm-hmm. I've thought that for a long time. Um, so if it takes that, um, you know, I think he's got fifty basically. Yeah, he's got thirty-nine new faces, Austin, mm-hmm. and eleven holdovers. So he's got about fifty people, and I mean, there's there's work for fifty. There's a it's a, there's so many tentacles in that operation, and I think for Nebraska to run like it should, this is a monster program. It's not a, I mean, there's a lot of attention, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of money. Um, it's the Big Ten, which is a it's a power league. There's it's a very unrelenting league, so you need a lot of different elements hitting on all cylinders, and the more the more now. If these people are competent or or much better than competent, you have a better chance. So yeah, I, I I've always felt that that was the, what what you should do, and not everybody has. I mean, Bolfolini wanted to expand the operation. He wanted to expand the recruiting operation. He did want to make it like like an SEC program, and he was denied that. So. He was he was done not. I don't mind saying it on the air. It was, it, it's not something that's been talked about a lot, but you know he was the, the AD clearly didn't want him in here. But but that I'm I'm just glad that Rule's able to do it. He has an AD that says, yeah, we got to do what we have to do. And the CEO part of this discussion with the head coach is very appealing to me. And I think he's running it really well so far. But again, Austin, I just go back to what we said at the outset. I would, I would counsel people not to make too many bold proclamations about what they've seen in two months. For sure. One last hypothetical, then you got the wheel spinning for me here, Steve. If mm-hmm. Bo Pelini was able to get, you know, the changes he wanted, the expansions to staff he wanted does he break the nine-win regular season plateau? Does he break through and get something? You think that it would have taken a couple of years, he would have stayed there and maybe see some return on investment later? Well, Austin, he did break the nine-win. He won 10 twice. Um, I think you're, would he have broken through with a conference championship? Well, he kind of did. and He got screwed out of one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, it, you know, Nebraska for many years, Austin, has been a political quagmire. And if Bo really just had to fight through that, and I think he just got tired of it. And um, hopefully, Matt Rule won't endure have to endure that. Um, a political quagmire isn't what done it. That didn't do in Frost. He he did himself in. He just he was just a disappointment. But a lot of years here, a lot of Nebraska's struggle has been uh, largely the result of the head coach, the AD, the president, the chancellor, not being on the same page. Mm. I think Nebraska's got a good chance right now because it seems like those guys are on the same page. It's not, I I wouldn't say the operation's perfect. I know there's elements of it that still are imperfect, but I think they got a shot here and got to get some momentum and we'll see where it goes. 
That's Steve Sipple of Early Break. Hear him uh, here on these airwaves every morning. Also read his work at On3. Steve, appreciate you as always coming on. Uh, keep up the good work on Early Break. We'll be listening. We'll uh, catch up to you on the show next week. Yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. Have a good day. That's again, Steve Sipple. When we get back, we'll wrap up on the block. We'll bring the old school crew in, DP and J, both in the building. We'll cross it over to finish things out next.